Welcome to the Journey to Pay Speaking Gigs podcast. Here we bring on guests in the speaking world to uncover how to find your voice as a speaker, get paid speaking engagements, and develop your speaking skills. I'm your host, Charles Clark, mental health and resilient speaker, and today I'm having a conversation with keynote speaker, Natalie Nixon. If you like what you hear today, check out the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs Academy on my website, thecharlesclark.com forward slash apply, where you're going to learn everything that you need to know about how to create a successful speaking business. It's time to rise and thrive. Let's welcome Natalie to the show. Hey, Charles. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, before we get this thing going, who is Natalie Nixon? <laughs> uh I am a create, well, let's see. I am a dreamer uh, and a creator. And um, I, that's how I would, I would kind of describe myself to my core. And um, in my profession, I'm a creativity strategist. Um, I have, I often describe myself as having an incredibly loopy background, which where I'm, I'm really fortunate to be at a stage and place in my career and my life where, um, all of those divergent experiences have converged. So I have a background in dance in anthropology and oh, really? fashion. Yes. Yes. I, and I know you're, you, you were a professional sprinter and yeah, yeah. I ran, I did a little something in high school. Okay, <laughs> I, I was, I, 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 I was a sprinter in high school. I, I, I did the 400, the 200, the triple and the long jump. And what were your times? Oh, okay. Well, I, I only, only a few times. Did I get, did I break 60 seconds on the 400, like okay, 58? Okay. So, All you know, right. yeah. um, it was, it was decent as we say in Philly, it was decent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so I have, I have, I, my work is about uh, helping executive leadership teams and, and leaders really uh, transform, transform their business models, transform their leadership styles, specifically by applying creativity and foresight. Mm. So, so tell me about that journey of you actually getting on the stage, impacting lives. When, when, and, and when did you know that what you had to say about creativity and innovation, it mattered? Well, I, you know, I, Every day I credit my background as a student of dance as, as being so pivotal in so much of the work I, I, I do. Uh, although I never went on to be a professional dancer, dance taught me discipline. It taught me deep curiosity. It taught me how to work with others. And it definitely, for obvious reasons, taught me performance. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, my 20 plus years experience as an educator was part of, really the first bit of times and experiences where I was really uh, publicly speaking and presenting and trying to communicate yeah. ideas in digestible ways. Um, but I really took the advice that I overheard at a conference that um, I, I was a professor for 16 years. I, I created and launched something called the Strategic Design MBA program. And we sponsored a, a women's entrepreneurship conference. And I was in the back of the room observing a panel and a question from the audience was, uh, how do I speak more? How did you become a speaker? Mm -hmm. I see you on a lot of panels. And the advice was, just start volunteering. And while I presented a ton at academic conferences, as again, um, spoke really every day in, in my work as, as a teacher, as a professor, yeah. um, I thought, 
I thought that's really good advice. And I, and I really want to, initially, I really thought speaking publicly would be a way to market the strategic design MBA program. That was really my, my modus operandi. And so I took that advice and I really just volunteered for panels, uh, which as we all know, those of us who do this work, if you start by volunteering, um, then you became, become much more known as, as, a, as a known entity. But, but the talk that really catapulted me uh, was when I did a TEDx Philadelphia talk in 2014, uh, where I was proclaiming that the future of work is jazz. And that started the invitations into companies and organizations to help them understand why and how to do that. Mm. That that's that's a that's a unique journey. Like I'm, so, I'm curious. Like, did you do you tie in the the art of dance into your your speeches? I used to much more than I have been lately. And the reason I used to is because I really use my speaking as a way to prototype ideas. Mm -hmm. Every time I'm speaking to a new audience, which has different needs, different set of objectives that they that they where they really ways that they want the the talk to inspire, educate, motivate, give practical tips. I use um, that opportunity to to work through a new idea that I'm thinking about because I, I am fundamentally a nerd. I yeah. should have also mentioned that when you asked <laughs> a, a bit more about me. Yeah. And um, so, yes, dance was something that I used to talk about a lot when I was playing around with this idea about the role of intuition mm -hmm. in leadership. And I uh, had done a what I called a miniature ethnographic study on intuitive leadership. And I decided to look at chefs, DJs, and dancer choreographers, and also first responders, because my assumption was, I think these are people who have to intuit yeah. a lot at, in their work. And I so I, I learned a ton by observing uh, dancers in rehearsals. Hmm. So speaking about being intuitive and, and, and being innovative, during COVID, a lot has changed, right? And and I, I think a lot of events canceled for us. And really, we were at this place where, what do we do? So I want to know, like, for you, what did you do to continue to develop and become a better speaker during that time? Well, it's interesting because COVID, as we all know, in the United States really hit us hard. And, and we were adjusting to our, our new normal in March of 2020. And my newest book was launching in June of 2020. Yeah. So all of the things I had planned in terms of a, a, a traditional book tour mm -hmm. had to be reworked and revised. And I actually went into giving mode. I went into a mode where I offer, I did a lot of collaborative cross-marketing uh, webinars on Zoom and really started to just give it away and, and gave a lot of talks and webinars um, for free. And I actually collaborated um, with a, a company that actually has now, uh, they circled back to me and said, we really would love to do, produce a podcast about your work. And that's uh, Radio Kismet. Uh, and that's uh, and so I partnered with, with their president founder, Christopher Plant. And um, we did several um, sessions uh, collaboratively. One was on design thinking, um, and another was was on foresight and creativity. And that really was the mode I initially uh, jumped into back in the spring of 2020. Mm. So this was this was like COVID-19, you know, 
despite all the things that that have happened bad with you know families and lost lives this was really like your platform to to shine and what you do as a as an expert in creativity and innovation so I, i'm like i'm curious to know like for you what do you see as a practice for other speakers what can we continuously do to to be more innovative and creative um in this new digital age well, first of all, I love that you keep referencing that you're curious to know, because if you know even a little bit about my work, um, you know, I think about creativity as toggling between wonder and rigor to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And we can exercise our creativity through what I call the three eyes, which are inquiry or curiosity, mm -hmm. improvisation and intuition. And right now, some of the things I try to do, I watch TED Talks. I learned from other speakers. There's, there's, our classroom is, is wide open uh, in terms of that. Um, I also um, learn quite a bit from, and you have to excuse me because I just forgot my friend's name. Okay, here we go. I actually want to, I want to give this gentleman a shout out. Uh, right. Josh Link Linkner. I just had him on the podcast. Uh, oh, good. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Josh has a brand new book called Big Little Breakthroughs. He's yeah. incredibly professionally generous. He has an incredible boot camp for yeah. speakers. And I attended his boot camp a month before the quarantine really started. Yeah. And so, you know, being part of communities like Josh's and, and his teams um, are incredibly valuable and helpful to help with everything from pricing our work to uh, techniques on delivery, on storytelling, mm -hmm. on um, all, you know all the dimensions of what it takes to be a top-notch keynote speaker. Yeah, yeah, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, like for you, when you're on that stage, what's what's your biggest goal when you are delivering your your message? What's the biggest goal that you have? My goal is is uh it's 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 two things and you you'll you also see see that as a theme about yeah. me and my work i i think of things in terms of yin and yang spectrum chaotic systems chaos and order wonder and rigor wow. and yeah, yeah. um what i always what my hope is is that i both inspire and i leave practical tips and and takeaways for people to be able to start to implement some of the things that I share uh, the same day, within the week, within the month, individually for themselves and their personal lives, as well as for their teams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and what does inspiration mean to you when you talk about inspiring from the stage? Inspiration starts with kind of this groundswell in our bodies. I'm a, I'm a firm believer about um, embodying what we feel, what we think. And I, I believe you that will probably resonate with you. You, you are an athlete. Yeah. And we know that, that the mind, spirit, body, heart are all interconnected. It's yeah. all part of how we um, perform well. We have to be deeply connected to in, in our bodies. So if um, people feel a, a, a fluttering in their heart if their if their mind is is firing off of all sorts of other examples that my examples help them to think of if they begin to um, be more curious about how they might implement and integrate some of the ideas that I share into their own work with their teams 
I believe they are inspired, you know, in, in terms of personal relationships. I remember when um, my husband and I got engaged and we were doing premarital counseling and I'm, I'm also a frameworks nerd. And I remember I doodled a, um, a, a, a vision of, of a triangle of just how at the base it would be where we're kind of apart from each other um, and moving up that triangle. We are more in concert together and I'm, I, I'm, I'm very faith-based. I have a faith-based yeah. life. And so I believe uh, God for me is, is at the top of that. And as we are in spirit together, we are inspiring one another. That to me is, is what inspiration is. It's, 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 it's a, it's a copacetic flow. And for me as a speaker, you, one of the things I think we miss as speakers not being um, physically with an audience is that we know that when we are on stage and we are sharing ideas, that there's a feeling, there's an energy that you can, you hopefully that you're you're feeling yeah. for the audience, which is a lot harder um, when we are have these digital screens. So I, it's my hope that, and, and what I think. Of, so when I'm thinking about when I say inspiration and being inspiring, uh, I hope that uh, I am in flow with the audience and that I'm yeah. triggering more curiosity and new ideas for them. Yeah, I, I see that what, what you're referring to as as soul, you know, where where you're you're divinely tapping into some like heart knowledge right where it's yes it's not just here but it, it's felt here and, and people feel that as authenticity and that's the thing that creates connection and allows people to want to pursue more of what you're what you're teaching right so and may i just add to that charles that that another thing that i really hope that i leave people with in addition to um being inspired, leaving with practical skills is fundamentally, I want to encourage people. Mm -hmm. And so what, 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 what's really cool to me about the word encouragement is, is that courage is, is embedded in there. And creativity requires a lot of courage. It requires mm -hmm. courage to, to follow your heart, to act on your intuition, to follow the breadcrumbs of curiosity, to be open to working more improvisationally and experimentation and collaborating with people who might call you on some things and, and you have to admit ignorance. All of those things that are required of, of creativity require a lot of courage. So mm -hmm. that, that also is a fundamental mental goal of mine is to encourage. I, I love that you brought that in. I, I want to ask you this question for for someone who's listening and thinking about becoming a speaker and they're a little afraid because of the unknown, what would be that, that nugget of courage that you could give them to, hmm. to, to push forward? Well, I, I think it, it's, it's really helpful whenever we are on the verge of taking a leap, as I, as I write a lot about, mm -hmm. there's this expression I, I made up, which is might be helpful for people to remember, which is that if you are 50% terrified and 50% exhilarated, then leap, then go for it. Because the terror anchors you. The terror ensures that you have dotted your I's and you've crossed your T's. Yeah. The exhilaration keeps you optimistic and buoyant and, and dreaming and, and, and hopeful and you need both. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's one thing. And the other thing I would really um, just encourage people to do is whenever we are at that precipice of, of venturing into the, an unknown, just try to take inventory. I call it the inventory of courage. 
try to take inventory, reflect back on it might, for me, it goes all the way back to age six. It, you know, it could go really far back for a person. Mm -hmm. When was the first time you dredged up that courage to do something that scared you that was new? And then you realized that was evidence for you to do the next thing and the next thing, which for me, when I trace it back to being six years old in the public school playground where a girl would bully me every day. And one day she, she shoved in front of me in line. We had to line up before we you know, went inside the school building at the end of recess. Yeah. And I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, why did you just bust in front of me in line? And she said, <laughs> I was very polite. And she yeah. said, um, what are you gonna do? Kick my butt? And then she turned her back on me. And I was very literal. So I thought that's not right. So I went to the back of the line. I took a running start and I kicked her in the butt and she never bothered me again. So that helped me for the wait next minute, time I needed. <laughs> that's when you knew you were a track star, first of all. <laughs> that's right. First of all, right? First of all. Um, but then that helped me for a, a very challenging time later in fourth grade where I was essentially integrating um, a, a, a predominantly white school in a suburb of Philadelphia. And then that helped me with the next thing and, and all the way up to decades later, leaving a 16 year career in academia as a professor and becoming a full-time entrepreneur. So we, we actually have evidence in our lives of all of these different moments when we had to build courage. So take stock of that. Yeah. I, I think that's so true for me. I think that the more you, you practice courage, the stronger you get to handle something of, of a much larger, larger magnitude, right? You can't just, I feel that, that you just can't jump into something, you know, like this omnipresent, like massive goal that you have without going into those little courages, like without going into the daily deposits of like, I got, I got a little courage today, you know? So I, that, that resonates a lot with me because I think it, it, it started back for me it started with track because someone always said like, you can't run three events, you know, the 100, 200 and 400. And the first time I did it was my eighth grade year. And that's when we had cities, you know, cities, all the athletes come out and I was running against Percy Harvins. He ran, uh, he, well, he played football for the NFL and uh, we were always competitive. And uh, that was the first time I, I had courage. I was cramping up after, but after I did it, I was like, I'm strong. I, I can right, and it, and it, it just framed my mindset that maybe maybe almost anything is possible, right? That's right. And as you said, these are deposits that accumulate over time. Yeah, yeah. So so tell me about tell me about a moment where you were on the stage, your most memorable moment on the stage. What happened, and where were you? I think one of the most memorable moments on stage was the TEDx Philadelphia talk I gave in 2014. Um, my father had passed away. It was really just a year and a half earlier, which so it was still very raw for, for, for us and my family. He, he died of cancer. Uh, and I say he was only 71 because 71 is a relatively, it's not old, old yet. So, yeah. um, and, and the reason that matters is because, my father was a big jazz head and I, I ended up integrating principles from jazz improvisation into my PhD thesis, which was super nerdy and academic -y. And a lot of the purpose of my TEDx Philadelphia talk was to translate the bigger ideas from my research 
into this talk again to inspire and to give people tactical skills. Yeah. And while I had I taught every day, I stand up in front of people all the time. I've sp I spoken at conferences. There was something so intimidating to me about the TEDx red circle carpet. And we had all of this coaching and rehearsing beforehand. It was really well curated. And um, I remember I had a bit of a panic attack and a meltdown the night before at the kitchen table with my husband. And I said, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> I'm going to be the worst speaker. People aren't going to think what I have to say matters or it's valuable. And I, I mean, I was just a hot mess. And, and my, fa my, not my father, my husband said, think about my father. My husband said, um, Basically, girl, please, you'll be fine. You've done this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. You're good. And um, you need to sleep. You need to just relax. And <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly, exactly, pretty much. And, um, you know, he was there the next day. My mother was there. Friends, graduate students were there. And it, it was like a dream. I, 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 I was so nervous. I ventured onto stage. I used my visual slides as cues, and and I told the story of that really started with my father and this incredible through line of of how growing up with jazz music in the home, and and unbeknownst to me, that would become my theoretical construct to help people think about how the future of work is jazz and how our organizations have have to be designed more improvisationally. Mm. That was a really big moment for me. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity because it really was a platform that helped for me to um, share, as Ted's goal is, is, is to share ideas broadly and widely. I, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, what did that do for you to, to recognize, like, there was fear that was taking control of me? And then to step into that fear and to actually do something that that you didn't think was possible at first. What what was that like for you? Well, in a lot of ways, I I, I did what you and I just finished talking about. You know, you talk, you call it the deposits of courage. I talk about that the, create this inventory of courage. I actually went back to my my dance performance experiences where. I'm always, I've always been nervous right before I go onto stage yeah. and right. And, 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 and research shows like you actually should be a, a little bit nervous because that adrenaline is really what helps you to be buoyant and to, to be on top of your, your game. So um, for me, it was a reminder of, in some ways you've been here before, you are totally capable of this and it's, it's speaking is a uniquely firm is a, is a experience that is uniquely rooted in the present. Yeah. Right. While you can prepare, 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 prepare. Like I never memorize my talks. I, I I literally can't memorize my talks. It doesn't. It's not how my brain works. I I have kind of touch points. I'm very visual, and so it is an incredibly live in the moment experience of flow. Yeah. And so a lot of what I had to do was trust the process, as we say in Philly with the Sixers. But I also had to, um, you know, trust uh, everything that had brought me up to this moment in time, uh, trust my capabilities and, and trust that the audience would be there. And, and, the, and I have to say, I still remember that audience. Mm. The audience was so beautiful. They were so loving. They were so encouraging. They were so 
happy. They were, they were with me in the moments where I would uh, say something that was a little funny. They were with me in the moments where, where they, they could sense I was getting a little deeper and serious about things. So yeah. the audience matters so much as well. Yeah, your, your tribe, your tribe sets your vibe. And, you know, yes. as, as you were talking, it kind of made me think about like what what fear and and maybe the the potential of anxiety. I, I look at fear, I look at anxiety and excitement on the same spectrum. But one of the things I kind of see is like when when we feel fear or we feel that excitement and anxiety that's a little overwhelming. It's kind of like a start a, a car starting up. Like when that car is starting up, it takes a lot. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's tuning up to get to that place of, of having that smooth sail. And, yes, you know, so speakers, as you're listening to this, like there's going to be so many moments where you just feel like, oh, man, this is just overwhelming. There's a hundred people in the room. There's a thousand people in the room. But that's just you tuning up. You you know, you're, you're getting ready to to turn that car on. And when you get it started, you know. Just understand it's going to be a smooth sail. Like this is the place that you're called to be. Oh man, that, that just excites me. Man. I love it's, that. It's I love that. that. That's a really wonderful metaphor. Mm, mm, thank you. Thank you. So I, I want to ask you, if you could meet any speaker out there, who would that speaker be? And what would you ask him or her? Mm. I love Brene Brown. I love her work. Um, I would like to know, how did you get to the point of having a Netflix special? <laughs> That's what I would want to know. I, I love that she is a woman in her field who comes from academia. So, so she, she's, she's smart, she's scholarly, and she is so good at translating, um, you know, material that, that could be dense into very meaningful ways. And she, she clearly has a business sensibility, which I approach my work with that, with that same mindset, um, that this is my business. This is my profession. This is my work. And, um, so yeah, I, I, she, she's definitely one who'd be on the top of my list. Love it. Love it. Natalie, before we go, where can I try to find you? Please check out figure eight thinking.com. That's the word figure, the number eight thinking.com. And people can feel free to download um, a free sample chapter of my newest book called The Creativity Leap and um, join the Everwonder newsletter. I'm going to be launching a course in a few months. I'll be in late spring, early summer of 2021 called The Wonder Rigor Lab. So if you join the, the newsletter, then you'll be on top of all of that information. And um, definitely just stay in touch. Give me feedback on the book if you have an opportunity to read it. And thanks sure. so much for having me, Charles. No problem. Show off that book one time for me. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's, in, it's behind me. And I also have a, a copy right here. So, yeah. Boom. Love it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Click the follow button to be notified for more episodes. And if you're interested in learning how to overcome the struggle of stage fright, write that life story and speech, or how to become that paid speaker, enrollment is now open to the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs Academy. Head to thecharlesclark.com forward slash apply. It's time that you speak, even if your voice shakes. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace.